Women of Science and Music, 30 Celebrations, Episode 11, An Engineer's Daughter. There's many a lass of the scientist clan that has followed her brief in the field. She has sworn, she has cursed, been ignored and abused, but a scientist never can yield. I am Frances M. Lynch the Artistic Director of Electric Voice Theatre, and you are most welcome to the 11th episode of our podcast series, Women of Science and Music, 30 Celebrations. Mary Maxwell Campbell's March evokes the struggles of many women and the hope they've given others for the future. In today's podcast, we will hear from an engineer's daughter, about a mother who learned her trade during World War II and whose tireless work to improve the chances of women in science and engineering is still felt by many. The engineer in question is Beryl Platt, an aeronautical engineer who went into politics, became a baroness and chose Platt of Rittle as her title. Rittle is the little village in Essex where Platt and her family lived. Her daughter Vicky grew up there and it is her voice you will hear today reflecting on her mother's courage, determination and the sheer hard work that it took to be counted in a man's world. To set the scene, we have some music by a composer who also has a famous Essex mother. The Story of I Love You from Rory's Rounds by Nicola Lefanu was originally written for children to sing. I gave my love a cherry I told my love a story with no end. Give my love with no The simplicity of this traditional love story highlights an important choice that Beryl Platt had to make after the war. Being in love and wanting to marry and have children at that time meant leaving engineering behind. Though becoming a full-time mum, as you will hear, was not quite what she had in mind. Nicola Lefanu's mother was the composer Elizabeth McConkie, an important figure in British musical life who also did much to help others in her profession. McConkie, of course, encountered a great deal of prejudice against women composers, but never faced the choice that Platt had to make between marriage and work. The two women lived near Chelmsford in Essex at the same time, but certainly had a very different experience of life and love.
1956, when I was three, we had a cleaning lady who was absolutely lovely. And she used to be with me when I was three, four, five, and my mother was working. She started in a small way on a district council. And we got on like a house on fire and gradually grew what she did locally. So I was quite capable and independent and not really scared of anything and was very happy being a relatively latchkey child. Essex County Council, most of the officers there were really good, stimulating, interesting people that she worked with. You know, the sailing went right from when I was north and I just took to it. And the joke was that when I was four, I could row a boat and sail a boat, but I wasn't out of nappies. <laughs> I'm very good on projecting and planning education to make sure schools were completely capable of taking the growing population. And, you know, they were a good team. Uh, my father was incredibly liberated. When I was 13, I helped build a boat with my father. I was the free, enthusiastic labour. I did all the lockers and woodwork. And I was using a circular saw and two men came along and said, you can't let her use that. My father would just quietly say, you'll have to come off that for now. You can go back when they've gone. I do remember actually when, when we, we used to go work on the boat in the winter months and do painting, and my mother was completely taken off painting. She was absolutely no good at it. There'd be drips and it'd be patching. She couldn't cut in a straight line. I don't think I'm really that dexterous either, but I think I had a combination, you know, and I'm right-handed and everything's designed for being right-handed, and my mother was left-handed. And if you look at stairs and where rails are, they're designed for right-handed people. She did have to work a lathe at Cambridge, and I have the bowl that she worked on the lathe. And it looks perfectly okay, but I don't think she found it easy. She was incredibly hard-working. She had lists and got everything done and made sure her public work ran really well, impressively so, with a discipline which was formidable. You watched it with interest. My mother was on the district council and there were all sorts of property developers trying to do bad things to Rittle and take away the recreation ground and develop it into housing. And the milkman was on the council as well. So between about half past seven and eight, when I left to go to school, there would be this long conversation about how to save the recreation grounds for Rittle. And so you listened to the whole thing, had an inside view on how it was all working. And in the end, this property developer sold the playing fields to Rittle Parish Council for a pound, and Rittle had the public benefit. So you sort of got to see how they all worked together and chipped away at making things better for education and housing and developing Rittle as a community. And felt comfortable in that world, but I didn't really want to go into it in a big way. She was a tall, imposing figure. She was sort of businesswoman dressed, but I think probably you needed to do that to edge into what was a male world. I think it helped her. She deported herself with such confidence. You know, people mistook her for the Queen occasionally. I worked for VSO, Voluntary Service Overseas, in Ghana. Fantastic, really lovely. Ghanaian people, very welcoming, beautiful. I learnt the local languages. It seemed to come quite easily. <laughs> their, their local expression was, you have soft ears, pa, which meant you pick up a language very quickly.
my mother's office was the kitchen. All sorts of people came and went to come and discuss things, and I was just the soft ears lapping it all up in the background. And I do remember this man coming back from Lesotho, and he taught science there. And I must have been eight or nine. I'm thinking, that sounds really interesting and different. I want to do that. So he wanted people with a maths physics degree. In primary school, I had a really good maths teacher, Mrs. Thompson. Her husband worked at Marconi. She loved teaching it. She loved people who asked questions and were enthusiastic. And we went way beyond 11-year-old maths with her. And I think it started really quite young with that teacher. So off I went. So the resources were poor, but the children were extremely motivated. It was very different culturally. Teaching physics, we had no electricity. We had to improvise massively. And so I go into the market and buy an old car battery and get some electricity out I of it. I bought lines and had copper and zinc plates and we managed to light a light bulb. Then I did a session on cooking and seeing how you could use the minimum wood to boil a saucepan and they were just designing different mud stoves to see how the heat went to the saucepan clay stoves with a bit of metal for the grid and different designs of chimneys and I can remember in Ghana I used to get letters every six weeks from her her handwriting was terrible and I had to because you're not hearing them or seeing them work out what the topic was about first so that I could guess and fill in the work I felt I didn't belong there and you felt you were sort of invited but should really return. Actually towards the end my health wasn't great. Probably I thought that I ought to come back anyway to recharge the batteries. The last job she applied for was to work for Barnes Wallace who was the jet engine man. But then she got married, so she couldn't go for that job. She talked about aeroplanes and tests and things, yeah, with some enthusiasm. The experiments with the Hawker planes, her safety tests on aeroplanes after the war. Ankara was the least safe airport, (laughs) and um, Nice was the most safe. And it was to do with engines functioning at higher altitudes, because Ankara, I think, is on a plane quite high, like a 1,000 metres. The oxygen intake of the engine is lower and if one engine fails, you've got less chance of landing on one engine because it can't deliver as much power, whereas Nice is virtually in the sea. It's about a metre above sea level. She'd talk about things like that with great enthusiasm and I think she missed it. I think she would have been much happier if she'd been working while we were children and I think she found bringing us up not enough to absorb her energy and intellect. So she did talk about it almost wistfully, but it wasn't the done thing for women with children to go back to work. It's unbelievable now. There wasn't a great driving force of feminism in the 50s, early 60s, I think. She set up WISE in about 1980. She was chair of the Equal Opportunities Commission from 1981, trying to get women into science and make more opportunities and keep trained women in work. Because we've all forgotten, part-time wasn't very acceptable for a skilled person. I was living in London, so the only thing I did was my mother used to come and stay when she was working in London. So Lady Mary Noel Barton, lovely lady, who worked very closely with her, setting everything up. And she was a tour de force and they you know, they worked very well together. No, Chris.
for a country that England long may be the holy and the happy and the gloriously free. And I think probably during the war, everyone had to do a 60-hour week. And things had been very tough. And when you went home, there were jobs to be done and you were probably in the home guard or something. Jerusalem, in a way. There's something of the fighting spirit and claiming what's yours, you know, and liberty. Country by Eliza Flower. A very suitable anthem for Beryl Platt, who worked on fighter aircraft during World War II. Eliza Flower was a composer born in Harlow in Essex in 1803, whose work has been sadly neglected. In this first ever recording of this music, the singers from Electric Voice Theatre were Alice Privet, Jenny Miller, Margaret Cameron, David Shepherd, Julian Stocker and Guion Thomas. Many thanks to our speaker Vicky Platt for providing such a personal insight into her own and her mother's life. And many thanks to you for listening. That's the end of episode 11, An Engineer's Daughter part of our Echoes from Essex project with Chelmsford Civic Theatre and Essex 2020. Please head over to our websites where there are many more fascinating stories and music on minervascientifica.co.uk and you can find out more about the Echoes from Essex project at electricvoicetheatre.co.uk And why not follow us on Twitter? Join us again for episode 12 of Women of Science and Music, 30 Celebrations, when we will be discovering why Leytonstone was the seat of the Queen of Slime Mold. <laughs>